Hello and welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto, the podcast for all things cryptocurrency, whether you're a beginner, a Bitcoin veteran, or just crypto curious. I'm your host, Alicia Chapman, and this week we are joined by David Haslop, who is the founder of the Crypto Den and Australian Crypto Convention. Dave's personal crypto journey is pretty interesting. We're going to be breaking that down along with technical analysis in a bear market, how he went on to found a platform with over 50,000 members. And make sure you stick around to the very end of this one as we are going to give you a chance to win a double pass to head along and see Michael Saylor and some of the other incredible speakers at the Australian Crypto Convention. So let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast, Dave Haslop. It is so wonderful to have you here with us today. Thanks for having me, Alicia. For those that haven't heard of you or perhaps the Crypto Den before, can you let us know a little bit about what you do and where you're from? Yeah, sure. So the Crypto Den is an online community that I put together back in 2017. Since then, it's sort of gone from strength to strength and grown to about 54,000, 55,000 members. And the aim of it is essentially educating people on crypto from a total entry level into cryptocurrency up to, you know, the the day traders. So getting people into that day trading environment. And how did this come about for you? Like, when did this start? Uh, Late 2016, early 2017, I was just sort of scrolling through Facebook and I came across a post. I don't even remember what group it was in. Essentially, someone said, has anyone invested in AntShares before? And I thought, what's, what's AntShares? And so I just Googled it and I started looking up and I found that it, it was this cryptocurrency and AntShares actually became Neo. So mm. it was sort of rebranded and renamed and it was about two cents or something to buy it. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And then through that, obviously, I found Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. And like most people, I went down the rabbit hole and what I found was what I thought to be a new world economy. And I could instantly see not only the current value of it, but the future value of cryptocurrency and the industry. So, you know, I've always been pretty good with numbers and had the mindset for investing and and whatnot. So I sort of took a bit of a punt and I bought a whole heap of ant shares and Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then obviously the the 2017 peak hit us and, you know, did very well out of that and thought, wow, this is super easy. (laughs) It's super easy to make money. Um, And then I thought, Cool. And I, I cashed some out and then I put some all back into the market and I lost a bit of money and I uh, thought, okay, there's there's definitely something here, but I'm going to have to learn how to do this properly. So that's sort of where I started my journey on the, the trading side of things and learning how to read charts and understand how the market works and the psychologies behind it. And from there, I actually became quite confident in my ability and was able to start teaching other people how to, you know, read and, and interpret the markets. Mm, and I'm so excited to dive into that psychology part with you today. There's, you know, so much about it, especially right now. Like, you know, that is the hardest part to crack at any time, but right now it's even harder. And with AntShares, I think that, you know, that did go all the way up to $140. Did you take profit at the right time? I took profit long before $140. I think it was about 80 or 90 bucks or something, which is still a really, really amazing return on Phenomenal, investment. yeah. But I certainly didn't cash out at the top of that. So... Yeah, it could have been almost double as good as what it was. But yeah, you know, you, you can't complain when you get that kind of ROI. 
No, and I think that's something that we we spoke about a lot when we're in those bull runs and someone was taking profit or they were pulling out and they were like, oh, yeah, I only made, you know, 50%. It's like, where else in the world can you make 50? Like, yeah, sure, it could have been 150, but a 50% return is still pretty damn cool. It's enormous. It's massive. Yeah, most people, I think, until you're in the market, they don't understand the potential that you have for those ROIs. A hundred percent, which again, we're going to talk about because those things are still happening today. You know, they're a bit further and fewer between, but we're still seeing some people, you know, make really good trades right now with the way that the market currently is. A question that I personally am really curious on is, can you actually apply technical analysis to the markets right now with how volatile it is? Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, myself and some other team leaders within the crypto den, we've been trading the downtrend since November, December. And you know, if you were to sort of go into any of our market scans or, or see or, or talk to any of our students through our courses, you'll sort of hear from them how, you know, live on our calls, we would quite often pinpoint reversal areas and things like that. So, you know, we short the markets in a bear trend, you know, so we make a return on investment when the market's trending down as well. You don't need to only be in a bull market in order to make money. So technical analysis, you know, there's people on the fence with it all the time. It's either you love it or you hate it, you believe it or you don't. And at the end of the day, the legacy markets are driven by market psychology and technical analysis is essentially market psychology in data form. So, you know, to say that you can't use it is a little bit silly. To say that you can't use it in crypto, I get why some people think it, but at the end of the day, it's also, it moves the same and the psychology is the same as legacy markets. It's just much more volatile because A, there's less capital in the market. So you, you know, for example, the stock market's a $60 trillion industry and crypto peaked out at three. So the volatility comes with less liquidity. And then you've also got new investors. So the psychology behind new investors as well is they scare very easily. So that in turn will add to that volatility. But technical analysis works. I, I trade from it every day, every week. I don't look at the fundamentals on basically anything. You know, I've got obviously my personal view of a macro view of Bitcoin and Ethereum and that kind of stuff. But as for the week-to-week, day-to-day sort of news or information, I don't read it. I don't look at it. I just look at the charts. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I think there will be lots of people that, you know, might be surprised to hear that as well, because it feels like something that is so uncontrollable. You know, there's so much that we can't predict in crypto. So that volatility is there. But then also, you know, you could never have, and no one could have anticipated something like Luna happening. And so when you have an event like that, it's like, well, hang on, how does anyone account for this? And looking then over the last few months, what's the biggest mistake that you've seen people do? Keep buying the dip. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> I see it every day, buy the dip, buy the dip. Eventually, if you keep buying dips in a downtrend, you're going to run out of money. And ultimately, the psychology behind that is most people will start to sell out at the bottom where we capitulate. And, you know, that's where the smart money is sitting waiting to buy up because you've got all these people buying the dip, buying the dip, buying the dip for months and months on end. And then, you know, it gets to a point where they go, well, I've got no money left. The market's down another 30%. I'm better off just cutting my losses and running and, and walking away from it. And then that's where you know, the market capitulates and we get more people coming in and buying up and sending that market reversal. So the biggest mistake is the buying the, every single dip. People need to learn how to read the charts and the macro analysis of what they're trading and only buy the very, very big dips. <laughs> mm. Not every little one on the way down. 
No, no. Or we used to have that saying around catching falling knives, like, you know, you, you are yeah. you are going to get hurt along the way. You will, definitely. And so exciting about this particular episode is that we're recording this on Wednesday. It's actually going to go live on Monday. So we can kind of chat about what's going on in the real world and the markets right now. Yep. What do you think we are seeing play out right now? Like, you know, we've seen some pretty interesting turns over the last week. Can you kind of give people an indication of what you think is happening? I think that the markets aren't done on a bearish cycle. You know, we've seen Bitcoin have a bit of a bounce and a lot of excitement around that, especially with Ethereum and the 2.0 transition and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think we're done. I think we're, we're going to see more downturn. There's too much geopolitical unrest and, you know, we've just seen more geopolitical things happen overseas with the Middle East and the US. So, I think that's going to have a big impact on the legacy markets, which will then impact the crypto markets. Bitcoin will will suffer from that as well, in my opinion. And it, like again, so much of this is now tying back to that psychology piece that we touched on at the start. Like you know, we see that correlation between these interest rates and these reserve bank meetings and something happening, whether it's good or bad or anything in between. And you know, whether you could actually say that is good or bad is something to discuss. But like when that psychology piece comes into it, going back to technical analysis, there's of course charts that help you with this and there's particular methodologies that lay out this psychology, but at a high level kind of understanding, how do you lay that psychology over how people are feeling right now? Just using market sentiment. I mean, the interest rates that you touched on before, they continue to keep going up. That's going to hurt the retail investor's pocket more than anyone else. So, you know, their mortgage costs are going up cost of living in general is just constantly going up. So if you overlay the fact that people have less spending capital with the charts that are indicating to us that while we might have some relief bounces along the way, it's still looking pretty bearish. To me, the underlying psychology and and the fundamentals of where people's finances are generally sitting at the moment, to me, it just adds to that bearish nature of where the charts are showing me it's going to go as well. And don't get me wrong, I'm a Bitcoin maxi. I support Bitcoin with everything I have. The future of Bitcoin will be enormous. I just don't think we're done coming down yet. Which means that we've got more opportunity. Absolutely, yeah. And I think that's where people get so scared. And you know, I understand from a perspective of those that may have bought in at fifty, sixty thousand dollars US, and it's now trading at just above twenty thousand dollars. You've lost a lot of money, and I get that. Um, but I guess anyone with some experience as well looks at this as a buying opportunity, you know, to keep sort of dollar cost averaging your way in at those key macro levels is how people make money in this space. It's not finding the bottom or picking the bottom or picking the top. It's scaling in and scaling out at the right times and, you know, using the knowledge you, you have to do that, not just what you see on, you know, mainstream news or Twitter or, you know, influencers and things like that, you should only use the knowledge you have and don't rely on, you know, other people giving you the information because 99% of the time it's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, depending on where you get it from, there's a a lot of biased opinions out there. And that's a really interesting point there as well. Dollar cost averaging versus buying the dip. How do they differ in your opinion? Well, I mean, if you're smart investing, your dollar cost averaging, you're going to have fewer buyers. So you're, you're going to be buying at key macro levels, not just every single dip on the way down. Because if you're looking at a one-hour chart, for example, and a lot of new people to crypto sit there at two o'clock in the morning watching their one-hour or their 15-minute charts, and we've all been there, we've all done it. And if you take a step back and you zoom out and you start looking at the daily charts, you'll be able to identify those key swing levels. And that, for me, is where I'm buying in. So 
you know, $20,000 was always going to be a very big key swing level because that's where the market peaked out in 2017, five years ago. So, you know, of course, I bought, I scaled in, I bought more. Even though I expect it to still go down, I still bought more because that's a key level. Where I didn't buy was at 40000 35,000, 30,000, 25,000, where everyone keeps putting these lines on their charts all over the place. And, you know, playing those bigger swings is A, protecting your capital and protecting what you have to invest and B, getting in at levels where, you know, the market could turn. And I could be totally wrong and the market could turn at 20,000 and visit, you know, all-time highs all over again. Um, But I can also be right and we, we go down again. So, you know, by getting in at those key swing levels, you're mitigating risk by not blowing all your capital too frequently. And I think as well, like the biggest part of that is just being comfortable with your decisions that you're doing. You know, you're not doing it in the hope that you have caught the bottom. You're doing this because you've got a strategy behind it and an actual reason and a purpose for doing exactly what you're doing right there. Definitely. And too often people don't have that plan. You have to have a plan because if you've got a plan and you've got contingencies in that plan and you're comfortable with that, you're not going to get emotional. You're not going to get your psychology messed up every time you see another big red candle. If you've got a plan, you're much more comfortable. If you don't, it's going to mess with your head and you'll probably lose. Mm. And a plan is a a great start. What else can people do to, you know, master that mindset and become a little bit more, I guess, aware and confident in their trading? Look, whether it's through the crypto den, YouTube, other online education providers, it, it doesn't matter... I just think people really need to learn how to read the market. And once you do that, you do have more confidence in your investment decision. So education is key. Yeah, Once you're educated and you've got that confidence, that's when you can really focus on your psychology. It's hard to focus on your psychology if you don't even know what you're reading. It's it's going to stress you out. It's like trying to read a book that's in Chinese and you only speak English, you're not going to be able to do it and your psychology will tell you, I can't do this. So, yeah, that's the most important thing is you need to learn and educate yourself at the very minimum, you know, learning the basics. Yeah. And then moving on from there, once you have got that, that psychology piece, where do you start there? A big part of it is practice, honestly. A big part of it is getting used to losing a bit of money here and there because you will. Any, everyone does. I've, I've lost plenty, believe me. It's kind of like um, scar tissue almost. The more you hurt yourself, the more the, the better you heal and the better you handle it. So, you know, a lot of people will go into, you know, motivational chats and, and you know, find motivational speakers and things like that. But to me, I don't really see that as a solution. I, I see that as a Band-Aid. You have to be in the market. You have to be in the game. You have to get burned. You have to learn from it because those mistakes that you make, if you learn from those, you'll never make those same mistakes again. But if you're learning from other people's mistakes, you know, you're probably going to still make them because it hasn't happened to you yet. So I think having some time in the market is paramount and probably the most important thing to your psychology. Yeah, I guess you just have to get used to losing some in order to be comfortable in scaling in so that you can win some. Yeah. And I think these conversations, like, of course, they're, they're harder to have now. Like, you know, if we were talking to you six, 12 months ago, we would be having a very different conversation be around like, you know, psychology strategies of of how to know when to, to take those wins. So it is something that I think, of course, whilst it's interesting and you need to learn about this now, I think there's also that benefit to taking that wider approach and learning what to do when it flips because it will. 
one day yeah. soon. And you just have to have discipline. And that's probably the hardest thing. Discipline and patience are the two hardest. And one of them I struggle with, one of them I don't. I'm very disciplined to a trading plan, but I'm also a very impatient man <laughs> by nature. I'm just impatient. So it's something that I have to force. It's not something that comes easy to me. And I do force it and I force it very well. I make myself wait for proper entries and exits, but I do struggle with it. And then discipline is sticking to your trade plan. And like I said before, having that plan is probably more important than anything else because whether you have a plan or don't have a plan will impact your psychology immensely. Mm -hmm. And at a high level, what goes into a trading plan? So first and foremost, something that I try to tell people is only ever trade your own charts. Don't copy anyone else's. Don't listen to people on YouTube or Twitter or don't even listen to me. Mark your own charts. Work out where you think the market is going and find those macro key levels. And then using things like basic levels of price action, so support and resistance coupled with candlestick analysis. So, you know, a single candle can tell quite a story. You know, if you've got what we call a bull hammer on a daily candle, that's a very bullish reversal signal, an early reversal signal. If you've got that followed by a big bullish engulfing candle, you know, that's even stronger indication that the market's going to have at the very least a temporary reversal. So, you know, if you have a set of rules that say, well, I'm not going to enter a trade until I've seen one, a bull hammer, and two, followed by a bullish engulfing candle, I don't enter the trade. And you have to be disciplined to stick to that. And that would be really hard sometimes, right? Like, because sometimes you'd feel like you could miss out on a really big opportunity if you don't break your own rules. I get FOMO. Everyone gets FOMO. You know, it's super easy to get that feeling like you're about to miss out. But if you stick to your plan and you stay disciplined, you know, 70% of the time and you've got a, say, a 70% win ratio, you're going to do all right. Yeah. And literally going back to what we said at the start, like, you know, a 50% return is still almost unheard of in many other markets. Like, you know, yes, whatever right. you're setting as your goal and your target, if you're achieving that, that's something to be proud of, not sad that you've missed out on something else. Yeah, exactly. And so for a lot of people listening to us, if they're not actively trading right now, if they are just dollar cost averaging, this might feel like something that is unachievable at the moment, that they can't be making money in this market in, in these ways. What sort of returns are you seeing from people at the moment that are actively trading? It's a mixture. I mean, in our community, we trade on leverage. So we trade derivatives and I would say an average of 70 to 100% returns on individual trades. And again, that's using leverage trading. So it's a bit different to just spot buying assets. At the moment, if you're buying in a downtrend, you're not making money. You know, you are dollar cost averaging in and you won't make money until price goes back above your average entry level. The only way to, you know, really make an income from this and make money when the market's going down is if you're shorting the market. And it's essentially the same as, you know, buying in a bull run. It's just upside down. So, you know, you're selling out or you're shorting at, key levels instead of buying at key levels. Yeah. And something we've been speaking about so often on the podcast at the moment is around that education piece, because as you said, if you're not playing in that space and that takes a lot of effort, right? Like, you know, that's not something I could say, I want to start doing leverage trading today and pick it up by the end of the afternoon. You know, this is a big game to play. So if that's not where you are right now, then it's all about educating yourself and seeing, you know, who is going to stick around and coming back to those fundamentals, not trying to play in a technical analysis space because it's just not going to work. 
If you're not shorting the market and you're dollar cost averaging in on a spot level, the best thing you can really do, and again, this is my opinion, I'm not giving anyone some direct advice or anything, but the best thing you can do is setting yourself up and positioning yourself long-term now. So while everyone else is getting scared and, and selling out into the market, if you position yourself near the bottom of a market, you might have some short-term losses and you might see the value of your holdings drop in a short-term period. But what you're doing is positioning yourself so that when the market does return and turn around into a bullish market, you're going to get your best ROI. And that's what I do on a spot level as well. So I don't try to pick the bottoms or tops. You know, I trade the ranges, I get in and scale in and scale out. So you know, on a spot level, that's the, probably the safest way of doing it, especially in crypto. But if you're trading derivatives and you're shorting the market, then yeah, it doesn't matter if it's going up or down, you can make money. Yeah, it's, it's a whole new game. But Dave, something really exciting that I can't wait to happen this year is actually the Australian Crypto Convention, which is coming to us very close by in the Gold Coast in September and has huge headlines, including Michael Saylor, which is phenomenal. Can you let us know a little bit about this and your involvement with it? Yeah, so I started the Australian Crypto Convention and it's been in the planning phase for about 18 months now. And unfortunately, the date that we locked in did turn out to be in a bear market. <laughs> you know, we, we locked the date in over 12 months ago. So we knew we had the risk of uh, both COVID and the market itself. So we're seeing obviously less interest than what we probably would in a bull market, but still really amazing sort of interest in, in what we're doing despite being in a bear market. So, you know, it's pretty exciting. And we've managed to get on, you know, almost every company I can think of <laughs> in the Aussie crypto space. So, and we're still getting more more and more coming in and there's still a lot more news to announce. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. And I think, again, just testament to this tech is not going away, right? The companies that are investing and doubling down on this, they're doing some amazing things. And the conversations that you've got lined up, can you let us know a little bit of insight into some of those panels that are going to be going ahead? Yeah, so what we're trying to do is cover different areas of cryptocurrency because at a lot of conferences that you'll attend, there's always topics that certain people won't be interested in. So, for example, those that get up and have to talk about crypto tax, you know, while it's super important to understand and to know, it's also a very hard slog to get up there on stage and try to keep an audience interested when you're talking about tax. So, obviously, what we've done is we've separated the convention into four different stages. So, we'll have four theatres. We'll have a keynote theatre and then two additional theatres and then institutional theatre. So, the reason we've done that is so that we can break up the agenda so that if you're interested in learning more about crypto tax, well, then you've got a theatre that you can go to. But if you're not interested at all, you don't have to sit through and listen to it. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to have a lot of keynote sessions as well. So, obviously, I get to be the super fortunate guy that gets to interview Michael Saylor. We're doing a fireside chat. So, you know, everyone knows that Michael Saylor, like me, is a bit of a Bitcoin maxi. <laughs> and, you know, I was also very lucky and you know, I got to have a one-on-one -on -one Zoom with him yesterday. And, you know, we got to discuss, you know, some some talking points. And obviously most of that will be around Bitcoin and, and the regulation and the future of Bitcoin and what his sort of investments are in it and his positions. 
very exciting. And the other part that you've got that I'm super excited about, you know, you do have so many different areas being covered. You know, you've got some guys from AFL Australia, from Cricket Australia as well. Greg Oakford, who we've had on the podcast, you know, who I'm sure is going to have something to say about sporting and and the world of MNFTs and crypto. So I think it's really interesting that there are those really diverse conversations. And I think even going through it, there was a couple of people I saw on the speaking list around like, you know, climate change and carbon taxes and emissions. So I think there's just, you know, regardless of what aspect of crypto you're interested in or blockchain or any of this technology that kind of feels like just running through the speaker list, there's going to be a conversation for anyone. Pretty much will be, yeah. So what we're trying to show people here and the the whole purpose of putting the convention together was to show people that it's not just an online world. It's not just the, you know, oh, it's on the internet. You know, you can't believe it because it's only online. It came about because a good 50% of the people that I would speak to would still say crypto is a scam. You know, they didn't understand it. And when you try to explain to someone that what the future of cryptocurrency and blockchain is, the response you tend to get is, oh, yeah, it's on the internet. It must be true, right? And it's very easy to just dismiss it. And if you put together an in-person event to this scale and you show utilities of what blockchain and what cryptocurrency can do, people can see it for themselves in real life, not just on the internet where it's you know, hard to believe. They can see it in real life and they can see the future of where we're going with this through different industries like the gaming industry, you've got farming industry, finance sector. Blockchain and the crypto economies are coming into every single industry. And I think people should know it now before it happens to maximize their ability to really profit from this and learn from this, implement new technologies into their businesses and their homes and you know their lives. Yeah, the ag tech sector is, again, another one that I cannot wait to, to sit and listen and hear how that's evolving. Because as you just pointed out, and you know, we had a really epic chat with Steve Ballas the other week that's going to come out after this episode as well. You know, there's so much in that space where this tech is helping. Blockchain technology can really advance stuff here and help people in, you know, third world economies is really, really interesting. So there's so much going on. We're going to pop everything in the show notes so you can, of course, can see the speaker list yourself and see when this is, look at tickets. But what we're also going to do with our friends from SwiftX and of course you as well, Dave, is give away some passes for the entire weekend, which is super exciting. So you can jump over to our socials. All the details are there. Dave, when is this happening so people can mark it out in their calendar? 17th and 18th of September. So we're about six weeks away now, six, seven weeks away. So if you're interested in going along, if you just heard us say some topics there, you're like, oh, that would be epic. And of course, we touched on a lot of the crypto and blockchain stuff. Then there's also NFTs that you're covering. So as I said, every kind of aspect is really being thought of in this convention. So if that sounds like something you want to head along to, jump over to the Tapping Into Crypto Socials and you can see how you can win a weekend pass to head along. Amazing. Well, Dave, it's been such a pleasure having you on. Do you have any other parting words of wisdom or advice? Uh, hang in there, I guess. I mean, I know a lot of people are down on their investments. Bitcoin will turn around. It always does. The cycles we've seen previously is you know, Bitcoin tends to drop 85% in a bearish market. So, you know, we're getting close to that now. It will turn around and I'm quite confident that we'll see new highs. So, you know, don't make the mistakes of people in the past where they give up and, and sell out at the bottom and, you know, ultimately regret that decision. For me, it's a case of dollar cost averaging in. Uh, if you're not trading on derivatives and, you know, positioning yourself now for the future because it's in a bearish market where people really make their money. 
and position themselves for a profitable future. Yeah. And I think even just going back, if we could go back 18, 24 months, you look at those people that did make that money, that did buy their Lambos and do all of those things, you know, a lot of them, yeah, some of them were quick flips and quick wins, but a lot of them were there before that as well. Yeah. Most were buying in at a bear market. You know, people that won in the last cycle, they bought Bitcoin at three grand. They bought Ethereum at 80 bucks. While everyone else was terrified, they were cashing in and, you know, look how much money they made. Yeah, could be us too. <laughs> I love that. Amazing. Well, we'll pop everything in the show notes, guys. Make sure you check it out. And if you have any questions, want to know anything else about the convention or things coming up, please feel free to reach out to us as well. And we will talk to you very soon, Dave. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon.